Okay, so uh, beyond this podcast, you guys know that I'm also a teacher. I teach about geography and environmental and economic issues are very important to me. And so I actually have a startup. It's uh, like an Uber for everything or an Airbnb for everything. So on Airbnb, you could rent out your house. Well, on Renta, you could rent out any good service or space. So if you have a wet vac or a pressure washer that you're not really using all the time, rent it out. Or if you are a jujitsu black belt and you offer private lessons, you could rent that out at any price. Or if you have gym space, you could rent that out. Or if you're a nutritionist on the side. The idea is I wanted to help freelancers make money and you keep 100% of everything that you ask for. And uh, the idea is to reduce consumption and keep money local. You could also look at it as uh, the next generation of Craigslist. And so if you like the podcast and you kind of trust me, I would love if you check out the app and download it. If I become rich, we could just keep making fight content all the time. So uh, give it a look. Renta, that's R-E-N-T-A-H.com. Welcome to the Philosophy of Fighting podcast with your hosts, Arturo and Anu. All right, so this is episode 31, and today we are going to talk about the state of jiu-jitsu in MMA today. And joining us today is going to be Eric U.S. Um, yeah, how do you feel about this, Anu? Yeah, I'm excited to have uh, such a professional like joining us, somebody that's been around the world and worked with people like Dominic Cruz and Neil Melanson and I'm sure Randy Couture and like some of these greats. It'll be nice just shooting the shit with him. and He seems like a great dude. He's been very friendly with us on the Instagram. I just thought he was a regular guy that liked jujitsu that just liked our stuff. And then uh, the more I learned about him, talked about him, it was just like, oh, wow, so much uh, to learn from. So that's what I love about this podcast, kind of just getting to talk to some of these people that are like in the world that i love you know mm -hmm. like that link yeah it should be cool i mean i have my own thoughts about the state of jiu-jitsu today and how it's evolved and how it looks in mma today and how things are and i'm interested to see because he's been grappling a long time he's been training a long time training people a long time so it'd be cool to see if our views are similar or maybe he has an interesting take on things so yeah it should be cool we have Eric, whose uh, Instagram handle is Eric the Gentleman, who has a vast amount of experience around the world. He started born on the East Coast, Long yeah. Island, and then uh, made his way out west. Uh, is the head wrestling and MMA coach for uh, Tiger Muay Thai and trained under Neil Melanson, uh, worked at Alliance with Brandon Vera and Dominic Cruz. Uh, I'm sure I'm not doing justice, all the experience that he has, but we're uh, very glad to have him here. And my first question that I kind of just had is, why are you Eric the Gentleman? Why did well, you uh, have that as your moniker? So, yeah, it was a, a kind of like a, a nickname I got in my 20s um, when I was not very much of a gentleman and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and was uh, working in nightclubs and enjoying the perks that go along with working in nightclubs. Mm, I understand. Yeah. I used to be a promoter at some nightclubs. So. Right. Yeah. So you, you get it. Yeah. I get that world. It's a great um, handle. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> but you've always been a gentleman to us. You always like uh, our content that we post and you communicate with us and you're always supportive. So we wanted to just thank you for that. And I just yeah, feel yeah. like. Uh, 
Thank yeah, you for doing a good job. To learn from you. <laughs> Appreciate it. Cool. So I think the topic today we wanted to talk about because you've been in the game a long time and I think uh, you might have an interesting perspective on this. I've kind of always had this theory that the state of jiu-jitsu and MMA, the way jiu-jitsu has evolved, has changed quite a bit. And I feel like back in the day you had jiu-jitsu athletes that the peak jiu-jitsu athletes were going into MMA and they were some of the peak MMA athletes. Uh, nowadays, the sport of jiu-jitsu has kind of evolved into its own thing and you don't really see as many of the top jiu-jitsu guys in MMA. Sure. Um, so yeah, I, I'm interested in like your thoughts on that. Sure. Okay, so I'm going to say something that may be controversial, but I'll, I'll elaborate on it. Jiu-jitsu <laughs> is the least important part of mixed martial arts up to a past. You have to have a basic understanding of, of the defense, right? So once you understand like a, a base, if you have a basic like purple belt level defense past that, it becomes the least important part of mixed martial arts until you need jujitsu. Right. So, <laughs> um, and, and, that could be because jujitsu is generally performed fairly poorly in mixed martial arts where we don't get to see it shine. So we've seen, and I'll use grappling. So I don't, I don't like to, to use the word jujitsu because I, I don't, I think that the, a lot of the grappling that we see in a fight is, is a bit more of a grappling style than, than perhaps Brazilian jujitsu. And, and uh, yeah, it just seems to fit a little bit more and, and maybe it's, it's uh, maybe it doesn't matter. But yeah, it feels a little bit more appropriate to me. But but either way, we can use them interchangeably for the conversation. You've seen like uh, Sanhagen, right, get ragdolled, get his back taken by Sterling and just mm -hmm. had a jiu-jitsu clinic ran on him. So that was beautiful to see jiu-jitsu. And that, that was, you know, there was some wrestling involved there and, and there was some jiu-jitsu involved. I think what, what happens is the work off the back, once you understand how to stay out of trouble, doesn't seem in in the current era to be very effective it's very very difficult to submit somebody off your back if they know how to stay out of trouble and the general level of grappling overall is pretty poor ufc and even at the even at the highest levels like there's there's some guys that do it really well but i would say the general level is pretty poor why do we think that is is that just people are getting better at like takedown defense and so they they're better at avoiding it like you said you only need a purple belt to play the defense and that's good enough well, yeah, I mean, jiu-jitsu guys generally can't wrestle, mm -hmm. right? There's there's some guys that make it work for them. I think that's a big problem. Fighting off your back is incredibly difficult, when, especially when there's punches involved. So so a lot of the grips that you may make, particularly in like the modern sport game, those will get you knocked out if you if you attempt to do those. You're not playing reverse De La Hiva in, in a real fight, I don't think, successfully. And there may be some people out there that could prove me wrong on that, but I would say as a general idea i don't see that being super successful a lot of the ankle grabbing stuff and, and making grips on, on the legs while your legs are in front of you uh, i don't see that being super effective and i don't see it being very very intelligent as, in terms of defending your face right so obviously like the punches and striking um that definitely changes everything that, that that's uh, seems pretty fair to say and i think people just jujitsu is hard to learn uh, uh when you have so many other things going on it, it, it really is like it takes a lot of time to to gain that that expertise and something that that at the higher levels it really it really is 
it's complicated. It's not easy. It's not easy to learn high level jujitsu. It's easy to get a base understanding with jujitsu, right. And, and get the basics, but it's not easy to learn jujitsu at a high level. It takes a lot of time, a lot of training. And I think when you take into account all of the things that you have to do, my experience with most fighters that I've coached over the years is that grappling seems to be jujitsu in particular seems to be the least important thing that they're concerned about. Their primary concerns are wrestling and striking. Yeah. I don't think what you're saying is that controversial. I, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just, it feels, I think maybe it's not controversial. I think some people will get butthurt to hear that jujitsu is probably <laughs> the least important part of a mixed martial arts fight. How that's not to say it can't be incredibly devastating because when somebody right. is really good at grappling or at jujitsu and, and their opponent is not, and they're at a, at a distinct disadvantage, you see some, you see people get overwhelmed when their grappling is, is not up to par and somebody else is, is, is at a very, very high level. Mm -hmm. I was actually going to say, butthurt. I said, butthurt in my head. Yeah. Cause I feel like, <laughs> I feel like the jujitsu community is very sensitive. Maybe oh, it's all are, the, it's, maybe all the communities are sensitive, but I feel like especially jujitsu because the popularity is increasing. Where it's like, here's my thought on that, right? So I think the reason that jujitsu seems to be more sensitive. How many times have you seen on the internet, right? A, a somebody put up a post that a jujitsu match is not a fight, and then the ensuing comments that take mm. place after that, right? Mm. <laughs> Nowhere else does that ever take place. Wrestlers don't yeah. call their matches fights they call them matches right i would never call it and, and i agree with that look i love jujitsu i'm a jujitsu nerd right i like mm -hmm. jujitsu more than i like mma at this point in my life and mma is what i, I do for a living but i enjoy jujitsu more it's not a fight mm -hmm. it's not a fight and and here's the thing it's devastating and you can absolutely hurt somebody the general mindset of somebody in a grappling match is not to hurt the other person even competing, right? You want to get the sub, obviously you want to get the finish. I would say it's, it, it would be really rare and it actually would probably be frowned upon for the other person to have in their mind that they want to hurt or maim the other person. Now, in anything where there's strikes allowed, even if there's grappling also involved, the general idea is to hurt the other person. Mm. And for me, the idea of damage is what creates a fight and not a fight. I, I have two questions then slight pushback so say it's somebody like who's Samar paul harris that is scary and that sometimes has to hurt people sure so i'm, Would I'm not you gonna call his matches fights then maybe i'm not or? gonna form a rule around an outlier okay hmm. you feel okay right, right so it's like yeah because like if we're gonna i don't know if we're gonna use general terms we have to use them for the general things that go on mm -hmm. right Would not you for call one guy who's who's unstable clearly unstable okay uh and and only that happens with him. Would you call boxing a fight? Yeah, absolutely. The intent is to hurt. Okay. okay. All right. So, Arturo, what did you say about that? Did you say that you felt like boxing was a fight or not fully? Yeah, I get. I mean, we call it a fight. I think we use a lot of connotations generally just to like make it simple. But yeah, sometimes I just feel like boxing is still a very like limited scope in terms of fighting. You know what I mean? Like if someone's approaching me in a fight as just a boxer, it's like, I'm just going to eat his leg all day and take him down. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think more comprehensive. I think of it more like MMA or closer to a street fight where I'm like, ah, oh, boxing. Like, I know how to handle that. You know what I mean? Like, it's still kind of a limited scope. So I'm like, ah, oh, sometimes I call that a match. 
but it's definitely more of a fight than jujitsu. I'm going to agree with Eric on that one. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I've, I've fought Muay Thai a few times, um, mm-hmm. professional rules and in, in Thailand and nothing I've ever done is more dangerous than that. I will absolutely call <laughs> Muay Thai a fight and it's a limited rule set. Um, yeah, yeah, I suppose, not, but, but there's definitely more in there. Like I, I definitely sure, think Muay sure. Thai is the most brutal. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just about the violence that, that really I, separates it. Jiu-jitsu is not that violent. It's just yeah. not. Mm-hmm. You can be violent with it. You can use it for violence. Mm-hmm. The nature of the matches is not violent. I, I, I mean, maybe that's just me, right? And that, this is all uh, like none of these are rules. These are mm-hmm. like just my perceptions on things. But um, yeah, I don't get the feeling of violence ever. I'm not even thinking about violence when I'm watching jujitsu. I'm watching an art and something beautiful and 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 you know amazing technique and and it's it's incredible. But I'm not seeing violence. So back then, I feel like the top jujitsu guys, like even Henzo was like, your test of jujitsu is by fighting, like getting into MMA. Sure. You don't see that as much anymore. Um, do, you, do, you have, do you have ideas why? Well, I think there's such a big outlet to compete now. Uh, there's a lot of money. I mean, if you do well, you can make money doing, uh, uh, you know, with jujitsu, either opening a school or, or um, guys that get a little bit more successful through seminars or, or however they go about that, there's an opportunity to, to do some things with jujitsu. It's also an easier path than fighting. Fighting, they both. if you want to get great at both and be a high-level competitor, you're going to have to devote your whole life. But uh, fighting, fighting is just a different animal. It's a different, it's a different level of stress. There's, the consequences are obviously different if things don't go well. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, they're, they're more serious. I believe. But the crazy thing about all of that is the only reason that we can say that and that what really makes jujitsu so gentle is the fact that you have the option for the tap. If you didn't have the option to tap, jujitsu would be the craziest shit on the planet. <laughs> yeah. like, jiu-jitsu would be the most dangerous thing. It would, like you, people would look and, and less people would do it, right? So you'd mm. only get some, you'd have to be a real hardcore dude to, uh, to want to do jujitsu. But the, the, I, I often think about this. I'm like, <sighs> fighters often don't have a lot of respect for like the average jujitsu guy. And this isn't all fighters, but there's just like, <sighs> and, I, and I think sometimes the nerdy jujitsu guy might bring that on himself when he attempts to put himself in the light of a fighter when he maybe is a blue belt that, you know, on uh, <laughs> like a local competition, you know, so, some people don't do themselves any favors with, with some of this stuff. And, yeah, it's interesting. I, 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 and, you know, to go back to your question, I think it's just once you know the defenses, it's very difficult to make it as effective, particularly as a bottom player. As a top player, it looks a lot different. Uh, as a top player, you can be effective. But even that looks a lot more like grappling than, than jiu-jitsu. It's a lot of wrestling heavy pressure for the most time. And and you can hit the person. So it, it definitely changes things. Like you have to know jiu-jitsu and you have to understand basic defenses. You mm-hmm. don't have to be great at jiu-jitsu to be a world champion uh, as a fighter. Now, you can't say that about – you either have to be great at, at wrestling or great at striking if you if you hope to be a champion, right? So would you go to say that jujitsu is a great foundation, but not a great specialty? Uh, well, I usually look at foundations as like the first thing that you pour. Okay. So, and usually that tends to be people's specialty, right? Okay. So, that's uh, fair. 
Yeah, it's absolutely necessary. It's just, but it's a, it's like a spice as in a recipe as opposed to like the meat and potatoes. Okay. Right. So you need it. Otherwise you're, you're the shit ain't going to taste that good. Right. Okay. But, um, I like uh, that. Yeah. But could I get, yeah. could I give an analogy and you guys let me know if it's a good analogy. Sure. I, I always relate jujitsu to reading where you need to know how to read to succeed and learn other things, but eventually nobody cares how well you read. You know what I mean? Like as long as you sure. can read, yeah. you're good. <laughs> right. But it, like yeah. 10 years of reading isn't going to necessarily make you smarter than somebody that knows I, I how to read. That's actually a great, a great analogy. Mm. Um, I think you, yeah, you have to, yeah, you have to be uh, literate in jujitsu. You don't have to be master literate. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, as long as you understand the book. Yeah, you right? don't have like, to read like Paul Story or Dostoevsky. You can just you can read the comics, and, and as long as you can read that, you're, you're, you'll you could be okay if if everything else is on point. So sure, I think I think that's actually a, a quite fitting analogy. Yeah. Or the ability to read Dostoevsky. Like you don't have to read the book, but it's like I know I could. You know, like if I needed I might to, understand you know, it, but I know yeah. I could. <laughs> and that's a lot of jujitsu. Is like I don't like. If if we start getting into leg elements with with fighters, they don't know what's happening there. They're like, mm-hmm. all they're really probably concerned is, uh, how do I get out of that? Mm-hmm. And it's actually way easier to show them the defense to to leg entanglements than it is to the complexity of actually arriving at a leg entanglement and all the many options and plan A's and plan B's that go on with that. So that that takes that takes so much time to like really get a, a like a in-depth knowledge of that you have to study these guys don't have the time to study oftentimes mm-hmm. that's fair when you say Unless, guys do you mean like fighters or do you mean like hobbyists even that are training fighters, fighters. Okay, fine. yeah yeah I, I generally don't like i don't even think about mma with hobbyists okay. uh I, yeah I, I you know and not that they can't you know train all the mixed martial arts but yeah if i'm talking about mma i'm generally talking about people that are, are stepping in there and fighting yeah, I was wondering, do you believe, because jiu-jitsu's first purpose was self-defense, do you feel like it's escaped? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, if you can roll well, you'd probably be okay in, in a lot of confrontations. I mean, you know, there's a lot of jiu-jitsu guys that will get their ass kicked in a fight. Um, it's stress response has a big, has a lot to do with that. Some people might not be able to handle the, 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 the action, the, the reality of like real violence uh, when it comes that looks very different than a friendly role or even a not so friendly role. But yeah, on average, I, I would say like being a blue belt probably equips you to, I mean, I'd rather have a blue belt than not have a blue belt and mm-hmm. be in a, in an altercation, right? Mm-hmm. How you react when somebody throws a punch at you. I don't know. It also depends on the person throwing punches at you. Like, look, I know guys that can fight that never trained a day in their life, but they've been in a lot of fights and mm-hmm. th- you know, they adequately know how to throw a punch. And if they do hit you, they're going to knock you out. Mm-hmm. I, I, I know a lot of guys like that. So I, I grew up in an era in New York in the nineties and early two thousands. I was a teenager in the nineties where the toughest dudes in the neighborhood were the biggest, strongest, jackedest guys. And you know, steroids was a big thing. And, you know, the nine, like juice heads were everywhere. And, and I knew some rough, rough dudes that were out and they were fighting a lot. And uh, they were, those guys, no, no one was going to tell those guys they didn't know how to fight. They weren't trained. 
Mm-hmm. And if it went longer than a couple of minutes, I'm sure they would be out of breath, but that's not how a violent encounter in real life goes down. It's, mm-hmm. it's brief, it's quick, and you have to make some decisions on the spot. You don't have a lot of time to make decisions. So you're, you need to be decisive and violent and, and uh, in a real altercation. It, you, you know, it's not an IBJJF 10 minute black belt match where mm-hmm. we're, you know, sat in front of each other in 50, 50 and uh, seeing who can, you know, trick the other into uh, taking the top position is, you know, it's ridiculous. Um, yeah. Uh, it's better to be prepared than not prepared. And what that looks like, right. It's like, how prepared do you want to get? Mm. Right? Some people just want the illusion that uh, some people don't even care about the self-defense aspect. It's just fun. Right. It is yeah. fun. Jiu-jitsu is fun. If you don't care about fighting, jujitsu is fun. Do you think, yeah. I don't know. I don't really, I never really thought about it, I suppose, but uh, do you think the community in jujitsu thinks that way? Like, I don't care about self-defense? Or do you think a lot of them are still like, oh, no, I'm learning great self-defense? Or I don't think like, it's... Where their value is. I don't see it as too much of a thought in a lot of people's minds. Mm-hmm. I really don't. It doesn't okay. really, and, and, yeah, I, I think I, I don't see that being a primary concern of people. There's a few schools I know that, like, delineate that we're about self-defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times too, that can be that they don't have a lot of competitors. So that's like the niche that they want to, that they want to make, which is fine. There's nothing wrong Mm -hmm. with that. There's nothing wrong with not having an interest in creating competitors. Mm -hmm. Uh, but here's the thing, self-defense, the idea of self-defense is bullshit, right? Uh, you either get in there and spar with punches, right? And you grapple live and and if you can do those things, then I'd say you're prepared for at least the te- technical part of self-defense, right? Whether you can handle the actual situation of violence or not, I-, I don't know, right? That's different for everybody. It certainly prepares you more than anything else would, like like traditional martial arts where there's no live rounds at all, whether mm-hmm. you're striking and there's no live round, that's all, you know, you're not preparing your nervous system to handle what goes on in an actual violent encounter. I've been in more street fights than, than I can... At- you know, then I can remember uh, when I was young, that's like, that's what we did. We got into fights and I, I bounced in nightclubs and I've had weapons pulled on me and, and uh, I've been in some gnarly life or death situations for me. That shit is fine. I enjoy it. It's, 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 it's you know, uh, it's, it's a, a distant memory at this point And I, I couldn't get into an altercation if I tried at this point in my life, but uh, I'm very comfortable with violence. Not everybody's like that. Does everybody even need to be like that? I don't know. Mm. But yeah, the idea of self-defense is bullshit. If you're not getting live training for your nervous system, whatever you're being taught is bullshit. Mm. And so even if it's not a concern, your nervous system, even if you get knocked down, your nervous system might allow you to survive that scrape because you've sparred a bunch of times over your year or two or three, however long you've been training jujitsu. Yeah, like Uh, you said, I feel like it's better than nothing. But But there are better things that maybe you can do combining it because for me, what I got into it because of, I think, self-defense. But I started a little bit with Sambo. And then now it's just like, all right, I want to be healthy and strong. And I think what you said, that nervous system thing, because when I first would go to the gyms, I would always be like very like nervous before every class. Well, think about your first sparring session. Were you exhausted? Very yeah, I, t- I tapped from top pressure. <laughs> I was right. like, and it was like the first day, I was like, oh, go fight this kid. I was like, well, like not fight, but it was like spar. And I was like, like that fast? Like, you know, yeah. it didn't feel real. Like, what do you mean? Like. But then I love that they did that. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So you, that's you just have to think back to your first training session. 
and how your mm-hmm. nervous system reacted to that when you didn't know what was going on. Do you, do you think this is something though, you know how when you're younger, they say like do Taekwondo and it's like good for the soul and like the martial arts side of things, like the philosophical side of things. Do you think you see a world where we start teaching like kids stuff like this, like jujitsu at like fifth grade or something? Do you think we have a world where there's less bullying or do you think we teach people the tactics how to bully better? Because the stronger kids are just so, going to get tougher now. I always use this analogy for – and I love this topic, right? Because I'm a martial artist, and I used to not be a martial artist. I started training so that I could hurt people better in the street. I started training because it was a useful thing to know when I wanted to go out and rob a drug dealer how to end the situation quickly. So, like, that's why I started training. I did not start training with pure intentions at all. Over time, martial arts provided me with a mirror – Right. And I, I'm introspective by nature. And so what I use martial arts as is a it's something that every day I go in and I get to see what I'm afraid of. Right. How's my ego doing today? Who am I avoiding in the gym because they're going to give me a tough round and maybe I'm a little tired today? Why am I mm. avoiding that? But I ask a lot of questions to myself because I think it's 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 a great vehicle for personal development. If you choose to use it that way, you could also choose to use it to hurt people and be a bully. You can use it to, as a vehicle to bang your students like some guys do, you know what I mean? Like you can mm. use it for a lot of different things. It's not like, I know a lot of scumbags in the jujitsu community. So, and I know a lot of wonderful, beautiful human beings in the jujitsu community. Mm-hmm. So you can use it for a lot of different things. I would hope that, and in order for it to be taught to, to people like that, as, as like, yeah, as like a tool of personal development, the instructor have to, has to have that w- within his being. If, if the instructor is not teaching that way, I, I, it's going to be a difficult lesson to pass on to students. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know? So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with, with the instructors. There's a lot of great instructors out there. There's a lot of not so great instructors out there and, and you know, f- finding, finding one that, that works for you. But yeah, I, I would hope that, that, that there's a world where we use this as a path to personal development. And as far as does bullying ever leave? No, I don't think it does. I, 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 things would have to change dramatically. And, and, and that's a whole, that's a, probably a whole, a whole different conversation that we could have an hour, hours of, 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 uh, of speaking on, but no, I don't think we count on bullies disappearing. I think that's a, not a wise bet. I think it's best to be prepared for the worst of the world and not mm-hmm. in a doom and gloom way, but just to be prepared. You know, and jujitsu does a lot more things than that. So like, aside from like, let's say self-defense, some people, if they got bullied, right, they get camaraderie that they would never get anywhere else, right? That's really massive. They get community. They get a sense of belonging. Uh, all of that stuff is massive. You know, like disconnection is actually like one of the number one precursors to addiction and dying early, mm. right? Loneliness, disconnection. Mm-hmm. Right. Jiu-jitsu is a great pathway to connect, join people in something that's hard. When people share in a common struggle, they generally bind together. Yeah. One of the first things I tell people is that you automatically get a group chat. And I, and I think yeah. for a lot of people, that's like, like what you said, if you're lonely, like a lot of people want to be part of that group, you know, like any group. And so just it's to have massive. a group chat where you go bullshit, like that might be more important than, uh, so whether it teaches you self-defense or not, jujitsu is so big and so broad. Now there's room for all of that. Mm-hmm. There's room for mm-hmm. all of that. I, I like the whole conversation is, you know, looking down on certain jujitsu. 
I mean, I don't know if, whether you can defend yourself or not, right? Like we just said, having that community is massive. Like it's, it's going, it can better your life. It, it can absolutely better your life, whether you can fight or you can't fight, right? Mm-hmm. I know people that suck at jujitsu, but <laughs> jujitsu's made their life better. Yeah, for sure. Right. So it's like, okay, that's cool. Like, yeah. <laughs> what else do you need? It expands mm-hmm. your network too. You're going to meet. Yeah. yeah all that, all man. You got drug dealers yeah. training mm-hmm. with cops and, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah. Illegal immigrants training with border patrol officers. Mm-hmm. And like you get the, you get the spectrum of like crossroads of people that would never mix, yeah. you know, and it's, it's like, it's really good for that, man. I, I've mixed with some people like that, you know, I'm by my upbringing. Like I, I'm not the biggest fan of police as an idea, right? Not cops as people themselves, but I have friends, good friends that are police officers. Mm-hmm. You know? um, that's cool. You know, they're human. That guy, you get, to, you get to see the humanity of people like up close that you wouldn't normally mix with. Yes. So that's super valuable. For sure. Yeah. I rolled with a cop today. And then, like, sometimes I think when I roll the cops, like I feel like if they saw me online, not that I post anything radical, but they'd be like, Oh, you're like probably some liberal professor. You know what I mean? Right. Like there'd be like a, like a thing, but then meanwhile we're rolling, talking jujitsu, like having fun. It's kind of like, and Elias always said that. He said it's like church a little bit. You got criminals yeah. and mm-hmm. and you got uh, police officers and you got every and like yeah, I smoke weed and stuff like that. And so sometimes I'm like, if this was ten years ago, would you have like arrested? Like you know, like and it's just like sure, interesting. Yeah, yeah. it's it's super fascinating, man. I've seen huge like crossroads of people that you would, you would never, ever, ever see mix up. It's, it's great. What makes the community stronger? And maybe it's not stronger, but I'm just phrasing it this way. Then say like, do you think people that go to boxing gyms together have like feel that camaraderie or like. I think anytime you do something hard with somebody, you feel a camaraderie with them. Mm -hmm. It's just probably jujitsu is easier to get into than those other ones. Like Muay Thai would scare me a little bit. Like, yeah, I just feel like, hard, man. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. Yeah. But I'll probably meet a more narrow group of, in Muay Thai and boxing than maybe jujitsu. Yeah, well, jujitsu is, yeah, like I said, the, the consequences in jujitsu are, are far lower. So that's mm-hmm. going to attract a greater populace. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, I've always been kind of conflicted on that because I'm like, jujitsu grows in popularity a lot, right? And I, and I get it. I, I like jujitsu too. You know, MMA is super popular too, but you don't see as many MMA schools. And of course, well, it's like, hard. Yeah, exactly. The consequences are harder. I would right. still think it wouldn't be like the ratio it is though now. I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised, always surprised by that. Really? No. MMA is a shitty job to get into. Oh, yeah. But even like, um, I don't know. I just feel like people, like, I would just, I would consider myself a hobbyist. Like, I'll spar, but like, I don't, I don't really have any ambitions of like right. going to fight or anything. Yeah, that's, that's not super common it's it's like not that it's like uncommon but mm-hmm. it's it's like people just end up doing jujitsu or they do striking and yeah. and you know they're they're kind of they're kind of cool with that and then you get yeah you get you get you know a few that like to do both but i i think maybe that's why i find it weird because i'm that one guy yeah 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 <laughs> i would stay like and man i've been to a ton of gyms and yeah there's people that like to train mma mm-hmm. i would say they're a lot fewer and farther between Mm. like you'll see more guys in a pro mma workout a lot of times than you will in like a hobbyist mma class hmm. right do you think do you think that has to do with cte or do you think people don't even care about CTE? i don't think they even realize that it's just it's just so hard and so and 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 scary mm-hmm. 
think about most of the people that you know in jujitsu and then being like, Hey, you guys want to just fight like no rules. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Most of them are going to be like, no, I'm good. No. For me, I like doing that, but because I also do it on the mats and I know it's not going to be serious. You know what I mean? But then Mm -hmm. if somebody was like, Oh, you have to go in the cage and now dedicate your life to training. I'm like, I don't want to do that. But if it was like once a week is a fight class or once a month, you know what I mean? I'm like, all right, cool. Like I'm excited about that. But then you like, like what you brought up earlier, economics. And I think the economics of a lot of things dictate what we get into or not. And if it was like more lucrative for people, we would be doing it maybe, but. Perhaps. And then the other thing to think about too, guys, is there's not a lot of MMA coaches out there. Yeah. Right. So that's a big thing too. There's fucking more jujitsu coaches than, than we need. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> right. There's a jujitsu coach everywhere. Every, everywhere there's a pizza place, there's a jujitsu school. So mm-hmm. uh, we have lots of jujitsu coaches. We have lots of kickboxing coaches. We don't have a lot of people that understand the interweaving of what mixed martial arts is. Do you think it takes experience as a fighter to be that? Or at least to some degree? Some degree, yeah, because it's so the 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 interweaving of techniques and the intangibles, the things that don't have a name, right? That aren't that you know, the in between of striking and wrestling the in-between of wrestling and jujitsu and, and, you know, everywhere where it's not, you know, one or the other that you have to have like an intimate knowledge of that. And I don't see how you get that knowledge without experience. Yeah. So let's get into this because you have an instructional that's basically kind of built for this. I feel like the way you weave grappling, you want to talk about this a little bit? Sure. So I have two instructionals. Um, One I have is a striking to takedowns um, that I did a few years ago. And that's something that I've always prided myself on doing really well is really understanding how to mix strikes into takedowns, the footwork, the positioning, the body positioning. It's not wrestling for jujitsu. Once you get to the leg is, is pretty much the same as wrestling, 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 getting to the leg in a fight is far different. The distance is different. The setups to get there are different. The level changes look a little bit different. Yeah. And that's something you wouldn't know. So if you go from kickboxing and then wrestling, you're missing a lot of in-between parts of and fine details on how to make that a bit more seamless. Mm. Uh, and then ground and pound, the ground and pound tutorial that I just put out, I'm really, really proud of this. Uh, it, ground and pound is largely performed very poorly in, in the modern MMA game. That's not to say there aren't some people that do it well. Uh, there are, but what we often see is one of two things. There is a overemphasis on control right so we, we're hugging grappling arms are occupied so we can't hit the person or there is a overemphasis on damage and no control so the, there is an, a lot of attempts to harm but no control the fighter is able to get up what i've been able to do is systemize an approach that focuses on being able to create control with your legs uh, in, a, in a lot of the scenarios and then be able to deliver damage at the same time. So it creates a really nice dance between the control and damage and it's very systemized and it's where I see ground and pound going in the next five years. Mm. You're already starting to see some people uh, adopt some of these types of measures, not, not so much systemized, but the idea itself. Do you think it used to be better? Like, do you think it's something that was... No, I think it's like... never been that good. I mean, I, mean, here's okay. the thing. I think the escapes have gotten so good 
that, that on bottom. So guys used to just ground, right? And then the escapes weren't great. Like when Mark Coleman was mm-hmm. taking people down, they, mm. their get-ups or escapes, as we call them, weren't that great. Guys weren't okay. just getting back to their feet. They didn't know how to frame, get up to an elbow and, and, and you know, work their way back to their feet. So he would park himself in guard and start swinging and that would work. Then guys start getting up. Now guys get up really, really well. So understanding how to do that. And there's some, some really cool concepts and ideas of how to keep the grounded fighter down. And, and I'll, I'll give you guys a little bit of a tease, right? So when you do a technical standup, the technical standup is basically the fundamental escape that we'll see in, in a mixed martial arts fight. What's the most important limb out of the four limbs What's the most important limb that, that needs to escape when we're getting up off our back? So just think about what a technical standup looks like, right? When you're like this, right? You have a top leg, a bottom leg, a top frame, and a post arm, okay? The bottom leg. The bottom leg is the one that we put behind us when we do a te- technical standup, and that's how we get up. So if we know how to control that bottom leg, mm. the training partner will not be able to get back to their feet. Could you do a technical standup sitting square with both feet even? No. You have to make one a top leg and one a bottom leg, right? And then the top leg provides a post for the bottom leg to clear behind you, mm-hmm. okay? If that bottom leg never gets cleared behind them, can that person stand up? Nope. Mm-hmm. So if we can prevent that through certain tactics and concepts, we now have a good measure of control. where We can keep the guy down or, or girl down, and then we can focus on damage, which is what we're getting paid to do in a fight anyway. I, I love that you care about damage because I always – care about damage too damage is i score fights like i'm watching them in a schoolyard right Mm. who hurt who the most that's all i care about that's what a fight is that's how noop looks at it too yeah so so arturo what was the fight we were talking about last time it was jarzinho rosenstrike versus who i think it was rosenstrike versus blades and blades won the fight rosenstrike got one strike which was like a great knee and ruined Blades' eye. And like, if you look at the end of the fight, you right, would say right, Rosenstrike right, right, right. definitely won. And part of me was like, I wouldn't be opposed to saying Rosenstrike won that fight, but clearly like the way it's r- ruled, you well, know? like in, in that instance, uh, if you got dominated the whole time and only landed one thing. But I wouldn't say he got dominated. He was like controlled, but he wasn't also he got control- Yeah, that's, that's being positionally dominated. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, he got, I, I watched that fight and yeah, he, he fought very poorly and landed one knee. Okay, I good. I didn't I yeah. didn't watch it with as intense, but uh, yeah, when I he saw that strike, poorly. I was like, oh. Um, he got exposed in that fight. Yeah, mm-hmm. Rosenstruck's not feel- the guy. Uh, Cyril Gane, different story. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm excited for that. Uh, some rumblings about what happens in the gym between those two. So uh, oh, interesting. It's be, oh. That it's that was close in the gym against those I, two. I, I'm just gonna say, be excited. <laughs> 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 I like Gon's confidence. Um, mm-hmm. How important Gon is a you... much better striker than, um, than the champ. Yeah. However, it it's only takes one of those things. Yep. He's a freak. Yeah. Yep. Like how how even Stipe's second fight against uh, Ngannou, I was just like, even if Stipe is technically better at everything, yes, he, is. If he and gets he was. hit, mm-hmm. yeah. But if you get hit like the way you did the first fight, it's 50 that you stay awake. You know, it's just like right. In my the opinion, odds- Stipe's mistake was losing, was getting so light in that fight. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, he was he was significantly smaller 
And I don't think that served him. I think he was able to get just like, he got ragdolled in some of the positions. And, and I think had there been an extra 20 pounds there, uh, that makes a difference. Fine. I think he's yeah. trying to put on those 20 pounds back. He said, yeah, yeah. Well, he, maybe he sees the same thing I saw and that he was a bit light in that fight and uh, didn't have enough ass on him to, to, to move that guy around. How, speaking of confidence, how important do you think confidence is in like training? Like, do you prefer a student that's somebody that's like humble or someone that is confident? Like, do you think well, it makes a difference or what's just best for you? Lack of confidence is not humility. I'd say quite the opposite. Okay. So humility is more about seeing yourself as you are and not needing to see yourself as more than you are. Right. Uh, whereas confidence is just a belief in your ability. Now, okay. if we're talking about cockiness or arrogance, that's a different story. Mm. Yeah. For those people that say are cocky and like say act as if, do you ever believe in that stuff? <sighs> arrogance is generally not a good tool. It's of the ego. Right. And, and you know, to be able to want to fight, you do need a little bit of ego and a little bit of like that chip on your shoulder, to, but really like just, just the right amount, I think, before we start getting diminishing returns. I take each fighter as I get them and, mm -hmm. and let's see what works for them. Some people do great off, off like being showman and being a little cocky or what people would call arrogant, right? Yeah. I mean, Connor did a great job with what he was doing for a long time. I don't, and I don't think his is a, is a thing of like aging or slowing down. I think he's got a severe drug problem and that his party life really took him over. And, and, and you know, the thought that he's just going to shake this addiction off and, and snap, that doesn't happen like that, right? Mm -hmm. You've got an addiction the way it appears that he does, that you have to address that and that alone. And then you can worry about, you know, the rest of your life. Yeah, I think he did, you know, obviously miraculous things. Um, yeah, Adesanya is very borderline cocky, very confident. Mm. Yeah, he's a good balance. Himself, and he's a fucking master. So mm -hmm. yeah. am I going to tell him he needs to be more humble? He's undefeated and he's on course to be one of the greatest of all time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, what I would warn him against is, is that making you happy? That's a different conversation, mm. right? So you can be great and not be happy. And then, I don't know, is it, is it worth it to live like that? But that, that's, these are questions people have to answer for themselves. Because, look, I know very well, I've been in the gym with many, many, many world champions. While they're champ, after they're champ guys that are famous achievement does not equal being fulfilled at all. And many are very let down when they arrive at that point and it's not what they thought it was. It's not the experience that they thought they were going to get. So can you win like that? Absolutely. Can you be happy and fulfilled like that? I'm not so sure. I like that you said that because I haven't achieved what I want to achieve yet and I'm not that happy. And so like, sometimes I'm like, Oh, like if I did achieve what I wanted to achieve, would I be happier? You know, and it's like I would a, bet every penny that I have and have ever earned that that would not be the case. Mm. Whatever it is you think that when you get there, and maybe I'm wrong, right? This is my bet, mm -hmm. my thought. Uh, when you get there, you'll be cool. You'll be very happy for a very small amount of time. I can I, I can see that too. I'm still gonna work towards it, but it's like yeah, sure. finding that well, right finding thing, that man. right balance, like you said. Here's the thing. Absolutely work towards it because most of the time when what I find when human beings are at their happiest is when they're making progress, mm -hmm. not necessarily at the arrival point, but just the progress, right? Think I'm progressing. Things are moving along. I see myself 
in a forward trajectory. It's not about really getting anywhere. It's just, it's enjoy the journey, enjoy the ride. If you can enjoy the journey, there's, you don't need to get anywhere. Right. And it sounds silly, but that really is it, man. Like think about like getting up, going to the gym, enjoying the interactions with my teammates, enjoying the new things that I'm working on, enjoying the days that I don't perform the way I would have liked to, or the new thing that I'm working on is not clicking yet. That's part of the pro but, but then going home and watching more film and just being immersed in the process mm -hmm. of mastery. Right. That's, you know, most people don't have that. Yeah. A pursuit of mastery is like, that gives me probably the most, most fulfillment out of anything. That's what I would say. Like a purpose, like you yeah, define purpose. your purpose. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like little victories. Cause like sure. I got beat up in I got beat up in the gym today. And like, part of me was like, Oh, and then I, got, I had one little compliment that like, I kind of liked cause this one guy that like choked me out he's bigger than me, but we started standing. And at the end he was like, I'm glad you like starting to stand, you know? Like, and so I was like, all right, I'll take that with like, you know, like a little, that's a win, man. It's a little sticker. I'm in Staten Island. I'm in New I'm York. I'm in San Diego. Okay. But He's I'm in from San Diego. Diego. All right, cool. I'm actually on Long Island right now. Yeah, yeah, but I'm headed back to San Diego soon. Where do you train at? In San Diego, I'm in Tenth Planet. Okay, cool. Nice. But Which I used one? to train at Victory, and I see you're at Victory a bit now, too. Yeah, yeah. I was over there for a bit, and I'm headed back, and I've I've got, uh, I'm actually not going to Tiger. Uh, the first dose of the vaccine put me in the hospital. So, Oh, I'm man. Getting, Sorry to hear. I'm not getting the second because I don't want my heart to stop working. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Thailand's off the table for now. If, if things loosen up and relax, then perhaps we'll, we'll take a look at that again. So I'm headed back to San Diego now. I've got a few offers on the table. So kind of seeing what's, what excites me the most. And I'm probably going to slowly start moving away from mixed martial arts as like my main thing. And I want to start doing some more leadership work with men and things like that moving forward. And so, yeah, I'm at a bit of a, a bit of a crossroads. Like I'll always be involved with martial arts and I'll work with certain fighters, but definitely don't really have a desire to be in the gym with a team every single day uh, at this point, maybe for now or for a little while, but mm -hmm. yeah. Do you want to go deeper into that a little bit? Like what, what, sure. what would you like to do in terms of your leadership? So yeah, a lot of, so I had a horrific childhood and I was homeless when I was 17. I was a junkie strung out surviving off of like robberies and stick ups. And, and uh, I lived a pretty wild life, had no direction, no, no positive male role models in my life at all in and out of jails and mental hospitals and, and all kinds of crazy shit. And then I had wrestled like a year and a half in high school. I wasn't allowed in school, so I didn't get to like finish up strong. I got sober when I was 23. And then it was like a long road of like reconstructing like a lot of damage uh, for me. And in my 20s, I started bouncing in nightclubs while I was beginning my professional fight career and, you know, went through a serious phase of like womanizing and just thinking, thinking, you know, like if I get all the things and if I get famous enough and if enough people know me and if I get big enough in the club world, then I'm going to be, I'm going to be happy. Mm -hmm. And that didn't happen. And then I moved to Thailand and lived there and had a really wild ride in Thailand. And, and all this time I'm, I'm seeking and searching and I've gotten a lot of healing uh, over the years and to a point where like, I'm generally pretty happy. Uh, and I didn't think that was possible. And then I, I know there, there's so many, I see so many men stuck in their life uh, in certain areas. Maybe they have problems in relationships. Maybe they're not going after the careers they want. 
wherever they're stuck, like getting people unstuck is uh, is a passion of mine and giving them some direction and some leadership and helping them create their own leadership is, is something that I'm really passionate about. And I think learning what like a healthy idea of masculinity looks like for men in a time where it's, it's you can be, it can be a little bit demonized, just the word itself, mm. but there's a healthy version and there's a wounded version. And, and I don't think the wounded version is something that should be sort of demonized. It's, those are, those are hurting people, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I because I, I, I was that, you know, I was that very, very wounded person and, uh, and I would have been demonized and why not just help the person yeah. instead of demonizing them? Uh, so I, I'm really, really passionate about that. I think like if you go to the hood, right. And kids with fathers that are in their life being fathers tend, tend not to fall prey to the trappings of that, that go on uh, in, in underprivileged people which without fathers, without that direction, it, it, it oftentimes goes the other way. And so it's, it's very broad what I want to do, but de- definitely working with, with men and definitely do some work with kids, but more for guys that are in their 20s, 30s, 40s and, and haven't dealt with, uh, with a lot of the, the things in their life that keep them stuck. It, it shows up, don't deal with it now, you're going to have to deal with it someday. Uh, or it's going to deal with you. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm really passionate about that. I, th- I think uh, you're only going to have a bigger and bigger market. <laughs> I think the way with technology is going and like social media is going and just the state of work and what a lot of people are doing, they get stuck. You know, a lot of yeah. us are getting stuck. And that's like part of the reason I like this podcast. It's like something else to do, you know, sure. like you, you feel yourself. I was actually on a Reddit thread reading and to bring it back to jujitsu a little bit, but somebody was like, Remember, jujitsu is therapeutic, but it's not therapy, you know, and also mm. the reverse. If you go to therapy, your jujitsu might get better. Like, so s- stop putting everything on like a few of these things. You know, it's like about being Absolutely. a little bit yeah, more balance whole. It's really important, man. Balance is really important. Yeah. You know, they're all tools and, and it's good to have a bunch of tools, not just a hammer. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure the travel helped with that. You know what helped? There's been so many different things that have, have like led me to, to, to learn. Travel helped immensely. You know, in Thailand, I was well off, right? I lived very, very good mm-hmm. and had any of my desires met and at my disposal. Could eat out six times a day. There was always like hot tourists like coming in from all over the world doing like fitness camps. Like everybody's yeah. in shape. It's like day camp for kids. You know what I mean? So... And I'm living in this. I live there. So like I just walk out my street and there's just chicks whizzing around on motorbikes. And it's, you know, so and then I'm training all day with the best athletes. And so I'm living the dream, bouncing from country to country, still at times finding myself unhappy. That's a super valuable lesson to like have everything and not be happy. Mm-hmm. Getting married and, and uh, my wife has been another immense learning tool, like functioning inside of a relationship when you've avoided relationships for your whole life. That's been a massive mm-hmm. learning and being actually happy in a relationship and being married. I didn't think that was possible. So that's been an immense learning tool. Um, martial arts has been an immense learning. So I've gotten some really great experiences that, and, and I'm just introspective by nature. It's always been my way to just kind of look inside and ask questions. So I've just taken my experiences and used them the best I can to learn from them. And I've had some really good teachers along the way. And I've had some fortunate occurrences in my life that put me in, in the right place to learn whatever I needed to learn. And then, you know, 
not suffering every day is way better than suffering every day. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really is, man. I, I suffered so much for so long and to not have to suffer is immense. And so if I can share that with, with some people, uh, I'm, I'm happy to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said. Yeah, the suffering thing, sometimes you see people, I don't know how to phrase it, but like start to like it. And then it becomes like their whole life. And I sometimes I think like that's the world we live in. It's like this rat race. Like, you know, there's an identity that comes with it. I am my suffering. Yeah. Like, oh, I work so hard. Oh, I get no sleep. Like, oh, I'm doing so many things. Like, so it's like, don't like you don't have to identify with their sickness. Well, I have my my mental illness, my knee injury, my this, my that. Like they'll identify themselves Mm. like like they take ownership over this thing that it's a part of them. Mm hmm. It's, it's, it's always fascinating when it happens. Language is really, really, really fascinates me. And it's a, it's a very valuable tool to create healing as well. The uh, verbiage that we use ha- has a lot of power. Yeah. Have you ever studied like uh, NPR and that type of stuff? No, is it NPR? I'm actually in the NPR? midst of- uh, NPL, NPL. I'm actually in the midst of, uh, my friend Mark England has a course called Vocabulary, and he also does a thing called Enlifted Coaches. So- it's similar to that. They, he deconstructs language um, to basically a lot of the language that I may use sets myself up to be stuck in sort of a victim mentality. Victim being like the world is happening to me mm-hmm. as, opposed, as opposed to non-victim as, as sort of like standing in a little bit more of responsibility. So he uses his program to deconstruct language so we can become aware of language that's disempowering. Mm. Yeah, there was a, I read in a book once for anybody that's listening, like if you ever want to have a day off from work and you have to talk to your boss, you should never like say, hey, can I have a day off? You should always say like, oh, this is happening to me. If I had a day off, like, would that be fair? Because when you say, can I have a day off? They could just say yes or no. You're making it like a little bit more concrete. But when you go, is that fair? Well, yeah, you asking for a day off is fucking fair. Like, what are you a slave? Right. You know, like, like it's fair. And so, like, in their head, their first instinct is like, well, that is fair. Like, it's much harder for them to then say no at right. that point. So, yeah, there's like a lot of cool studies. They did a study once too on, uh, you know, those word jumbles. You have sure. to like find word jumbles. Like, so they'll give like two people, like, say I gave Arturo one and you one, and it was like in a college psychology course. And we're like, oh, we'll give you 10 bucks if you do this jumble. But then Arturo got words like uh, slow, patient, methodical. And Eric, you would get words like fast, vibrant, excited. After you take that word jumble, like it'll take you like 10 minutes to do it. You go down the hall and then you give it to the professor. But what they were really measuring was not how fast you did the jumble. It was how fast you walked down the hall. And they found the people that had to pick the fast words walk down the hall twice as fast as the people. And then even another part of that test was they would have the professor sometimes there just like accepting the papers, but sometimes they'd be talking to somebody else. And the people that had fast, excited, vibrant would eventually just interrupt the professor and be like, oh, here you go. Where like the people that had slow patient would just be like standing there, like waiting. And it was just like, <laughs> Interesting. It, was all, it was all subconscious, but yeah. uh, well, it's it impacted exactly yeah mm-hmm. yeah, so that makes sense. yeah that's exciting that you're doing that and i like to see uh yeah just trying to help people trying to help men in general. yeah yeah I'm, I'm really excited about it so yeah so if people want to find you for that venture uh should they eric the gentleman would be a good handle yeah instagram yeah. is pretty much where i communicate with the okay. world so 
that's the, definitely the best place to find me and whatever I'm doing, whatever I'm up to, I'm, I'm fairly active on there. So it's, it's not hard to find out where I'm at in the world and whatever I'm up to. And you're so easy to engage with even online. Like anybody that's feeling anything, just uh, hit Eric up, you know? Mm -hmm. And then uh, even if you don't feel like you might need something now, at least now you made the introduction and then in six months, like it'll be a lot easier for you to interact with him. Yeah. I uh, answer messages from all kinds of people. I, I, I really like interacting with people and, you know, just having conversations. Yeah. When, when people randomly hit me up, I, I usually answer, you know, whatever dialogue they want to have I'm usually open to it. And, and you can't see him now, but he has a liquid swords shirt on. So yeah, yeah, yeah. he's a fan of the jizz and the Wu Tang. So he's oh, got man, good. Like my, my Bible. Yeah, he's got good musical taste. Have you been watching the show? I love the show. Me too. I you, caught a little know? bit of the first season. I haven't watched it. I was actually, tonight, I was watching the verses with uh, KRS-One and Big Daddy Kane. So that, that's uh, what I was doing before this. And so that, that made my night. It was a very, very good night for hip-hop. I'm, I'm a big hip-hop head, not 90s in particular. So nice. I didn't love the first season. I thought it was like a little too like gangstery and like hood. And, and I love tell you the truth. I always loved Wu-Tang, but I didn't love their music so much. Are you from but Staten I, Island? Yeah, I'm from Staten Island. I love their oh. philosophy. Like when I read the right. Tao of Wu, like I was like, I, right. now I love it. Like, so I, I always appreciated them, but it wasn't like, I want to listen to all their music all the time. But if you watch American Saga, like the Wu-Tang show, you see how they make the music and how diverse it is, where like they're talking about martial arts kung fu religion chess society economics like everything it's like you said your bible like now it's starting to become my bible a little bit too yeah. now there's some if you listen to a lot of the lyrics that they were a lot of the stuff they were talking about was yeah very philosophic uh, a lot of biblical and religious references mm -hmm. that that may go over people's heads they, some of the some of the bars were quite deep i i grew up in that era i grew up like I, I love the street shit too. It's that's that's you know it's, that's how I grew up. So I'm I'm partial to that stuff. And yeah, I I, just, I like all of it. Yeah, you lived it. So it's, sometimes it's hard for me to listen to right. it. Sometimes, you know, where I'm like I didn't yeah, live I it. Can, so I can't like... listen to country. I don't identify. With that. <laughs> yeah, I feel that way too. <laughs> we always ask this to everyone: if you can fight uh, anyone or anything from any time, any era, what, what would you fight and why? That's an. I've never thought about that before. <laughs> so weird you know it's like at this point in my life i'm not really interested in fighting anyone <laughs> so also we we try to give it as like um i think sometimes a lot of times actually people think of it as like uh maybe like a vendetta you have or something like that uh, other people take it in a different approach like a means of testing themselves or they just fight for some cause or something yeah it's <laughs> um yeah i don't know if i have an answer to that question how, how, how uh, however boring that may seem i i'm like the kind of person, like, I won't just give you an answer <laughs> to uh, <laughs> fulfill a question. Like, I might have to sit with that for a little while. I'm like, okay. you, you don't have enough hate in your heart, Eric. You should have like, so much more volatile. And, and, dude, when I first started coaching, I would get into fist fights with athletes, and, and like, somebody was, I, I, I chased people out of the gym, kicking them in the ass after, yeah. So like it's there's a there's a great quote that I love. If you only knew the amount of violence it took to become this gentle, <laughs> mm. and I feel like I'm not all the way there, but that's yeah, that's that's kind of how I feel. I had a student tell me a quote 
That was the opposite of that quote. And I thought it was interesting. I think it was a quote from maybe like Mao, some revolutionary. But it was like, uh, if you use violence and it doesn't work, you didn't use enough violence or start using more violence. And I was like, fuck, that's scary. Like, you know, like from some, like the a- dark side. And that used to be my, so violence solves everything used to be my, that was my philosophy because it's, mm-hmm. I used violence to feel safe. Right. And violence for me was a social currency. I figured that out really, really young mm. that, oh, wow, I'm good at beating people up and people are nice to me when I do it. Mm-hmm. Right. The problem with that is there's always going to be recourse. It's you can never feel safe if you always if violence is the, is the only tool you have. You can never feel safe, and that's the only tool I had forever. The only tool I had forever, and I was great at it. But I'm good at being violent. I can hurt somebody, and I'm fine with hurting somebody. I'll do it, when, and my facial expression won't change. And I'll feel safe, and I'll feel powerful in the moment. But it's fleeting, and I have to do it again, and I have to do it again. Right. And because if that's the only tool you have, it's not a great tool. It's this point. It may be my first thought, but it's my last resort. Right. Mm -hmm. Violence is still usually my first thought. If I have a somebody gets aggressive with me in traffic, my first thought is if this guy was to get out of his car right now, I'll crush his skull on the side of the freeway and then I'll (laughs) go about my business. But I wouldn't do that. If he if he attacked me, I'll do what I have to do. But yeah, it's it's always my first instinct because it's easy, mm. right? Violence is easy and it's lazy unless you're left with no choice. Then sometimes you know it's, it's an unfortunate situation where it's maybe life or death or your safety's on the line, and, and you may have to choose violence. And then you have to choose enough violence to eradicate the problem. But yeah, it's it's my last resort. I I, I wouldn't feel good about hurting somebody. Okay, it's tempting. Right. Because I still have the memories of, of what of the power that that come powerful feeling that comes with that. But mm-hmm. it's not what I want. Yeah. It ultimately, it won't lead me to a place that or an experience that I'm happy with. What about a, just a fun sparring event? Like you've competed against like a like you said, people that are world champions and stuff like that. Is anybody you'd like have like to have a fun sparring event with? Oh, man, yeah, I'd love to roll. Like, I'd love to, man, I'd love to train with, I'd like to train with like Dave Schultz. I'd like to train mm. with, I'd like to train with Marcelo. You know, Marcelo is a hero of mine. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm like so much more interested in just like the mastery of things now. Yeah, than, than the other part of it. So yeah, yeah, any, any of those guys, that'd be fun to have, have, you know, training sessions with those guys. It'd be great. Or, or maybe like on the Braveheart battlefield, that, that would have been, that would have been something I liked when, you know, given a cause, that would be something right. I, I would I would enjoy. Yeah, I I, w- I just was watching the TV show Dope Sick, so it's about like the opioid epidemic. Okay. And it was it was like the Sackler family. They owned like Purdue Pharma that got basically the country addicted to oxycontin, and they would they would basically like seduce doctors, like get hot women like that were sales reps, like get them to go to like events across the country, everything paid for, make them feel great. And then these doctors would just start giving opiates to like all these people. And the whole idea was like, oh, less than 1% of people get addicted. And like literally in some of these towns, like 95% of crime was linked to opiate. Opi- oh, man, I have so many dead friends d- directly due to that stuff. Exactly. So, yeah, I want to fight the Sackler family. And all I feel right, like they're all they're all like old. So part of me, like, can I do it all in a row? Like a bunch of seven year olds yeah. or something <laughs> like I feel like. Yeah, I, I might like to slap around anybody that wanted to, like, the, anybody that was, like, angry about Chappelle's latest special. <laughs> okay, okay. okay, yeah. 
I'll slap him around a little bit. I won't hurt him. I'll just like give him a little little slap. That's fair. Yeah, yeah everyone keeps talking about it. I gotta watch this. I haven't. I have, I'm late. It's incredible. All right. It's 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 really yeah. Just watch the whole thing. It was really brilliant and thoughtful, and he ties it together so so well at, at the end. It's it's. I'm gonna give it a watch tonight. Yeah, he's one of my heroes. Like it's like fighters, and it's like used to be like my heroes, and it's like like I, I look at him as like a thought leader, and and more than a comedian. I, I watch him more for just yeah the, his commentary, and I, he's definitely one of my heroes for sure. Nice. So Eric, if if you like him, you should watch something called uh, Dave Chappelle was given the Mark Twain Award. I watched like it. Bas- you, yeah, that was my favorite thing he's done. Like, I like the special, but I felt like it was similar to some of his other specials. I, I don't think a lot of people saw Dave Chappelle win the Mark Twain Award because it's like an hour and a half of other comedians talking about him. And yeah, it was like the best. Yeah, you'll love it's him. Great. It's great. I'll watch. I'll watch anything that he does. And yeah, yeah, I think a lot of the stuff has been similar, but it's just his takes. He can pull a joke out of fucking anything. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a, a very funny guy. Brilliant yeah. man. He's he's mm-hmm. a he's a definitely a gift that we have to be able to look at things the way that he does and give us a laugh about it and everything's so fucking serious all the time. It's it's just I, I don't know. I, I I personally feel like the ultimate act of inclusion is to be able to make fun of somebody because think about the people you say the worst things in the world to are probably your close friends if you're yeah. a guy. Right. It's like me and my friends say horrible things to each other and, you know, n- none of it's serious. So I think like it's actually quite inclusive to be able to joke with each other. I think it's, mm-hmm. if we can joke with each other, it's like that's that's about as connected as you can be as if I can make fun of you, you know, and, and as long as I'm not trying to harm you when I do it and be hurtful about it, then sometimes it lands. Sometimes it doesn't land. I think there's there's more important things to, to worry about in the world, you know, than, than a comedian. Who's out because it's, you know, you're out there, you take a shot. I've said things that I thought were going to be funny that didn't land. Right. Did I say them to be hurtful? No, I said them to be funny. They didn't land. I made a bad joke. It's the same intention you have when you make a good joke and it does land, mm-hmm. you know? So like intent is really important for, for me, at least. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a, that's what Patrice O'Neill said. The great. Right. The great yeah. Comedian. Yeah. That's kind of where that thought came from. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's Patrice, you know? He's like the intention. He's like, it's coming from the same place. He's like, I don't know if it works or not, but like, he's like, I was trying to be funny. And he's like, you don't yeah. know. Funny. That's one of his best rants ever, man. Patrice yeah. O'Neill is a, f- I fucking love Patrice. I'll go back and watch his stuff usually once a month. Yeah. His uh, elephant in the room. Uh, incredible. Is one of my mm-hmm. top five. Brilliant. Favorite. Brilliant. One of my mm-hmm. top three, probably comedy specials of all time for me. They would never play it now. I played it a little bit for my girlfriend. She's open-minded, but she was like, this is horrible a little my bit. Wife I was loves like, it. My <laughs> wife loves all of it. She thinks it's so funny, and we use that as a way to see if we can be friends with people. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm like that with like Louis C.K. too. Like, yeah, yeah Louis C.K. I'm like, you gotta, if you don't like Louis C.K., I feel like yeah. that's a little bit. Uh, his her, The harassment day bit, to me, is the funniest shit in the world. It's so, but I, Yeah, you couldn't play that today. Yeah. Mm. Like, can I just smell your chair? I love that line. He says that like that's my favorite. It's just oh, like, good, dude. Yeah, it's probably my favorite part. Of this Let question. me know when you're going to the bathroom. I just want to smell your chair real quick. Yeah, it smells <laughs> bad. I love it. Uh, but yeah, people get in trouble now. So I I videotape every class that I have, and uh, my students are like, oh, can you release it so I could listen to it? And I never release them because I'm like, I'm gonna get in trouble. So I, mm-hmm. I like for like a year and a half, I'm like. I, and I just never release them, but I feel like they're good. So maybe like when I die, I'll just like release them. <laughs> be like, oh, that's. Uh, yeah, I you don't want to get canceled. Yeah. 
But see, that's also the thing. I kind of do want to get canceled because I feel like that's the one time I'll be famous. It's like I will get can- <laughs> like, and then I'll be like, because like I feel like now it's like a little bit of a reverse thing, you know? Like it might be swinging back the other way, which I think is wonderful. Yeah, you, you're counterculture, you know. So canceled is like punk rock. Like, oh, he got canceled. Like, like all right, like so. Yeah. That that's the one thing I don't like when people complain too much. I'm like, it's it's like almost like a little badge of honor, and then people will decide whether like what unless you, the person, like yeah. you're like it's like canceling and like getting deplatformed and like you can't make money for like you know like that. Then I, I it's not so great, you know, for some yeah. people. You, yeah, you gotta. You it's like you have to be big enough that it's not going to hurt you. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes people, have to do I, mean, something. I don't know if you're a fucking rapist then yeah. And you lose your job. I don't feel bad for you. If you wrote something disagreeable, I, I don't want to see, you know, just, all right, you wrote something disagreeable. That's fine. Especially if yeah, it was like exactly. 20 years ago. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's it. Like the John Gruden thing. I don't think John Gruden should have got fired, but like when he got removed from the Bucks ring of honor, I don't think he got removed because he got canceled. I think he got removed because he told the owner to go blow him. And so I think the owner was just like pissed. And the mm. owner was like, oh, you like you wanted me to blow you and you're insinuating I'm gay. Yeah, so I then like, that's fair. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like in that yeah. sense, like, do you, do, is it a right to be in the ring of honor? I think the Bucks fan should complain. You know what I mean? And then make yeah. it a thing. But it's like one of those things where it's like, I don't know. Right. The world is moves so fast anyway. Like I don't even know if we'll anyone forget about this in two weeks, dude. If that exactly, but in the moment, right? Everybody's so fired up, so it's mm-hmm. kind the of next like... thing to be angry about mm-hmm. when you, <laughs> you know, if you yeah, don't the have new anything ad- else going on. The new addiction, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> getting pissed. I have to start seeing some now more lighthearted stuff, I guess, instead of like some of this heavy stuff. For sure. Um, All right. Well, thank you, Eric. It's been a pleasure talking to you, man. Um, yeah, you guys as well. Yeah, definitely yeah. reach out to Eric if you're interested in his help, whether it's in grappling, uh, MMA, or even just uh, therapy. This guy seems like a great resource of talking to. So definitely reach out to him. He's a very welcoming guy. Thank you. Eric, the gentleman. And yeah, thank you for all your support from the beginning when we had uh, the podcast and the Instagram and you just liking it. And a dude like you that has followers, that has experience in the game, just giving that little bit of support was uh, definitely like a boost to us and our self-esteem. So right on anytime, Thank man. You, man. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. All right, brother. Thank Hopefully you, we'll see you again in the future. Yes, Until sir. then, uh, best wishes with everything that you're doing. Thanks, man. Y'all have a good night. Yeah. Too. You too, Eric. Hey guys, this is Arturo. And I just want to promote a project that I've been working on. And if you are interested in fantasy football, particularly daily fantasy football, I've helped create an app. It is called FRS Fantasy Sports. It could be found on Apple or Android. Uh, We do things a little bit differently than FanDuel and DraftKings. We pick the stats. You pick the player that you think is going to perform best in those stats. We definitely have some unusual stats. Who will kick the longest field goal? Who will have the longest catch? Who will have the longest rush? This is what makes the game kind of fun. If you know the game of football and you're interested, check it out. It's FRS Fantasy Sports. Thanks for listening to the Philosophy of Fighting podcast. If you have any questions, suggestions, or if you would like to fight us, send us a DM on Instagram at philosophy underscore fighting.